Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Around the country for the past few weeks, protests have erupted over the killing of George Floyd. The arrests kindled renewed outrage over the deaths of black Americans like Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, among many others, and the mistreatment of people of color by police. The protests have also sparked a national reckoning for many police departments. They've been trying to reduce the use of lethal force and improve accountability, among other things, through training. From The Wall Street Journal, this is The Future of Everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the show, we'll consider the future of police training with virtual reality technology. What's most powerful about VR, you're able to create worlds and circumstances and experiences that you wouldn't be able to create in the real world um, that can help you shift your perspective, which is really different than a training. We'll speak with researchers about how the brain perceives VR and whether it can address bias. It works notwithstanding or conscious beliefs or conscious convictions. And we'll talk about why even future developments in VR police training may fall short. Tell me why you shot. Well, I, I've shot because he was within that zone. You know, I felt there was... Police a, departments have long I, used I actors, role-playing, and instructional videos to train officers to deal with real-life scenarios. But this can be pricey and not very realistic. People who make and sell virtual reality say the technology can improve training. If you play video games, you're probably familiar with VR. It's been around for a while. But we asked Wall Street Journal tech and video game reporter Sarah Needleman to explain. Virtual reality is all-encompassing. It's a matter of hardware. So when you put on a VR headset, everything you see, up, down, left, right, turning around, everything is in their virtual world, 100%. You cannot see anything else, so you feel very immersed. The main difference between VR and other video simulations is that you can actually interact with this computer-generated 3D world. It's so realistic that Sarah says you can get sucked in and lose yourself. I even experienced this myself uh, playing a racing game where I was sitting down very low in what felt like a cockpit of a vehicle. And as we went around the turns, I literally felt like we were gonna crash into the wall because I wasn't driving very well. And it scared me. For police, it's not about the thrill or fear of a racetrack. It's about learning how to lean into the fear and still be able to deal with it calmly. If you feel like you've done something before, been in a situation before, you're better at knowing how to react. You can practice your actions in these potentially life-threatening situations and hopefully resolve altercations peacefully. We'll talk more about this in just a bit. It's one of the reasons that some of the biggest law enforcement groups in the country, like the Los Angeles Police Department, are turning to VR. The LAPD has a history connected to police misconduct and misuse of force. 
1991, officers were caught on tape brutally beating motorist Rodney King, a black man. The officers were acquitted of criminal charges, sparking riots in Los Angeles. In the early 2000s, the department was put under federal investigation for, quote, engaging in a pattern or practice of excessive force, false arrests, and unreasonable searches and seizures. The government came in with what's known as a consent decree to change the culture in the LAPD. Dr. Luann Pinnell joined the department in the middle of all that in 2005. The Rodney King incident put a laser focus on LAPD tactics and training as well. I believe that we have continued to expand on that every year, both by how we work with our community and the training that we offer. She's the director of police training and education at the LAPD, and she revamped its training process. The department currently trains officers with something called a forced option simulator. It's often referred to as first-generation VR. Pinnell says it trains police in real-life scenarios. You walk into a room, and one wall is completely blank. And on there, we will project a scenario that an officer has to handle. And it could be anything from a person in a park to a bank robbery to an office scenario, a workplace violence scenario, something like that and uh, officers will get a call and they'll come into the room and, and try to respond to what is in front of them. In the meantime, there's a instructor at the back of the room who will be on a computer and as the scenario is unfolding, they are able to branch it in different directions where either the officers are calming the situation down or it becomes more difficult to handle. Dr. Pinnell says that the combined training efforts, including the use of the forced option simulator, are having a positive impact preparing officers for the field. She told us that last year, the LAPD had 26 officer-involved shootings. That's the lowest number in 30 years. But even though shootings by officers were down, police use of non-lethal force was up by more than 8%. For example, baton strikes increased by more than a third last year. And after the recent protests, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti said the LAPD was investigating more than 50 complaints about use of force by police. Now, to be clear, the LAPD's forced option simulator isn't VR like the headsets that Sarah Needleman was talking about. It's really just a video on a wall. It's not interactive. And the computer program doesn't react or respond to what the officers are doing. The next generation of VR is going further. Brian Hong is the CEO of Survivor, a Dallas-based company that makes a next-generation VR training for police departments. One of the advantages of, of VR uh, versus kind of traditional simulators like you know TV screens that just play videos is virtual reality allows your training content to be much more dynamic than what existing simulators are able to portray. In Survivor's VR, officers are immersed into typical scenarios they would routinely encounter on the job, from traffic stops to a person loitering outside a mini-market, to more serious situations like a school shooter encounter. A trainee can make different choices and change the outcome of the experience. 
We also have some scenarios where you don't have to use force at all or you're unlikely to. We have some scenarios where all you're doing is trying to communicate and de-escalate a situation such as incidents involving uh, suicidal individuals or otherwise scenarios that can go one way or the other depending on how effective your communication skills are. One of the first to sign up for Survivor's pilot program was a local police chief. My name is Michael Miller. I'm the chief of police in Colleyville, Texas. It's a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. I've been the chief here for two years. Colleyville's a town of just 26,000, and Chief Miller says it has a pretty low violent crime rate. Miller says that's actually one of the reasons he signed up for Survivor's VR training for his 44 officers last year. This provided us an opportunity to increase that repetition in dealing with some of these high-risk scenarios. And it also uh, aligned with our strategic goals of continuing to infuse de-escalation into everything that we do. The survivor system costs an average of $40,000 per system, but Miller says he got a big discount because they were a pilot site, and they had funding designated for de-escalation training. Even though there's not a lot of crime in his town, he says there is a desire to respond to national cries for police reform, like after the death of George Floyd. It's interesting today that a case a thousand miles away can reflect on us here. Miller says VR is just one of the methods the force uses for training. But some neuroscientists say VR trains differently because of what it does to the brain. That's up next after the break. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Virtual reality can train police officers in how to respond to real-life scenarios and make them feel real. And there's a neurological reason for that. Uh, my name is Beatrice Gelder. I work at uh, mainly at Maastricht University. We are a cognitive effective neuroscience lab. De Gelder's lab examines human emotion and cognition. In recent years, it began using VR to observe body language. De Gelder says when people are immersed in VR, their brain acts like they're experiencing real life. And this shows up in MRI scans. During virtual reality experiences, a part of the brain called the amygdala lights up. And indeed, the amygdala is one area in a network of adaptive actions for survival. There you are, comfortably positioned in the scanner, knowing that none of this is really real. And on taking you out of the scanner, you will still tell me that you were frightened. Contrary to some current emotion theories, you cannot talk yourself out of this experience. But Tegelder says VR also triggers an automatic behavior response, like what happens when you run your hand over an open fire. When uh, our hand gets too hot, we pull it back immediately. When danger comes too close, we run. So we have all this automatic behavior. And here is the power of VR revealed. It works notwithstanding our conscious beliefs or conscious convictions. It gets the brain at a level where our automatic behavioral reactions and patterns of reactions are laid down and can be studied. De Gelder says VR also activates many other areas of the brain. She says VR is able to capitalize on processes that have been used in psychotherapy for a long time. You could, of course, associate VR with like role-playing in clinical settings. 
people take another person's place and then they start behaving differently. So we can actually give people a new identity in VR and that sort of reveals things about us, about their reaction to circumstances and makes them sensitive to how they react. Most of the police departments that use VR right now don't do this yet. In their training, they always play themselves. They're the cop. And they are addressing citizens or potential suspects. Now, what if officers could experience the same scenario from the other side, from the citizen's point of view? That's what Axon Enterprises VR does. Axon mainly sells tasers and body cameras to about 18,000 law enforcement agencies around the world. As part of the package, though, the company also includes a VR training component. But the company has no figures on how many departments use the VR. CEO Rick Smith says the VR doesn't just immerse officers in scenarios, it can teach them to empathize with individuals. And what we do in VR is we can put a police officer through a scenario where they are role-played. We put them into the shoes as best we can of what it might be like for somebody who's experiencing a schizophrenic episode. And that's a big part of a police officer's job, responding to people in mental distress. And these types of calls can quickly escalate. According to a 2015 report from a nonprofit mental health organization, Treatment Advocacy Center, people with untreated mental illness have a greater risk of being killed during a police incident than any other civilians, up to 16 times greater. So what does it feel like to be inside someone else's experience? Well, I tried out Axon's virtual reality training to find out. The company sent me an Oculus headset in the mail, and my producer, Casey Georgie, helped me experience it. So it says, turn headphones on and plug into side of headset, if applicable, blah, blah, blah. Okay, is there a controller? Yes. So you're going to press the zero. It looks like a zero on its side. It's the Oculus button. So I put on the headset and chose a scenario with my eyes. That's how you direct the program. In this particular scenario, I'm outside of a modest ranch home, and bright lights are flashing everywhere. Disembodied voices echo in my ears. People are screaming at me. I think they're telling me stuff like, I'm a loser, I'm no good. So much is going on, it's hard to understand the voices. So here comes the cop car. Um, A woman who appears to be um, a family member is trying to talk to him. They're arguing. Here come the two officers. You hear like voices and sounds inside of his head, music, drums. It was really disorienting. Some woman, my mom, is shouting, pleading with me, but I don't understand what she wants me to do, and I'm shouting back. And then the police show up. They're taking their guns out, saying, put your hands up. And then we show how, you know, a police officer approaching using old school policing tactics, pointing a gun at you, pointing a bright flashlight at you, yelling at you, having a patrol car with bright flashing lights and sounds. Those stimuli might actually trigger somebody who's already on edge, who's hearing voices in their head, who's having a paranoid episode, that those traditional police tactics might actually trigger the exact wrong response. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to get any closer with the microphone because I can't hold the mic and hold the headset on. Cal, can you come talk to me, please? It does feel a bit heavy. 
Um, I would imagine that you couldn't do too many hours, too many minutes of training. There are some caveats. The headset weighs just a couple of pounds, and to me, it feels a bit clunky. And after wearing it for 10 minutes, it felt heavy on my head. But maybe I'm just not used to it. But you do get the sense, if just for a moment, of how vulnerable you might feel perceiving all these voices and sounds similar to a psychotic break and being confronted by officers. So I guess I did empathize with the individual here. And that's how it's supposed to work. Developing empathy for people with mental health issues could help police de-escalate these situations instead of using force. But police departments also have to tackle racial bias and its deadly consequences. According to a study published in 2018 in the American Journal of Public Health, between 2012 and 2018, Black and Latino men had, on average, a 1.7 times greater risk of dying by police homicide than white men did. Remember how Dr. DeGelder, the neuroscientist, said that the brain reacts on a more primitive level in VR? It works notwithstanding or conscious beliefs or conscious convictions. That makes VR a good tool to uncover unconscious bias, the kind of bias you're even unaware you have. Axon and other companies are developing new scenarios that allow police trainers to change the race presets to change the skin color and vocal tone of the citizens that their officers are interacting with, so they can judge whether the officers treat people differently if they're not the same race. Rick Smith from Axon says the company's also exploring sessions in which superior officers exhibit racial bias and excessive force, and trainees will be judged on whether they challenge them. We put them into an immersive VR scenario where we're now testing them. They think they're going into a scenario that is for another purpose. But what we're really going to do in those scenarios, we'll have a couple of them where it goes sideways and other officers in that scenario start crossing the line. And we're going to measure your performance, cadet, on how long it takes before you intervene. So that's a very specific case where I think VR can be a powerful tool to help change the culture. VR that addresses racial bias and tries to build empathy is already in use in some C-suites and in academia. I'm Courtney Cogburn. I'm an associate professor uh, at the Columbia University School of Social Work and uh, faculty of the Population Research Center here as well. Professor Cogburn's developed a virtual reality scenario for several companies and college students called the 1000 Cut Journey. It's a VR experience in which the player's avatar or character is a fictional black man named Michael Sterling. Cogburn debuted the experience at New York's Tribeca Film Festival in 2018. You start out being Michael as a young boy. You're playing in elementary school. As young Michael, you experience racism from your teacher. Please put that in the box. You continue to grow up in the VR game and experience being Michael as a teenager. Then, as a young adult just out of college, you find yourself profiled by police during an outing with friends. And then you fail to get a job because of your race. Hi, Michael. I just wanted to call and thank you for coming. What's most powerful about VR, you're able to create worlds and circumstances and experiences that you wouldn't be able to create in the real world um, that can help you shift your perspective. 
Cogburn says she's run thousands of people through the experience in the hopes that it would help people walk in the shoes of others. There's one outcome that's very valuable to me, which is anecdotal. It's just the conversations I've had with people, things that people have written to us about the ways in which they've been impacted by going through the experience. Um, On the academic side, on the science side, we've also run several studies where we're assessing changes in things like empathy, but also the ways in which you believe uh, justice works in society, the ways that you're able to interact with people outside of your racial group. Um, and, you know, your comfort level with, with doing that. Um, we're using qualitative data where people uh, provide multiple journal responses over a period of time to give us a sense of how their thinking might be shifting. But Cogburn says shifting someone's empathy is not the same thing as shifting their behavior or the ways they think and analyze problems of race and racism in society. What about training police departments? Have you ever thought to approach police departments with your VR? No, um, I'm, although I'm asked about that that often, um, and, and there's a couple of different, different reasons for that. Um, I generally avoid working with entities that are um, not actively considering the significance of race and racism in their behaviors, in their, their actions. And in my experience, um, both in the public statements made by police and in other interactions, my sense is that they actively avoid grappling with racism as a part of the patterns that we see in police training, violence, etc. So even though Cogburn sees VR's value, she says it's not a magic pill. And others agree. Professor Maria Haberfeld is a police trainer at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. In virtual reality training is, is good when it comes as an add-on to in-person interactions that uh, go in-depth into the types of uh, situation where, where officers will need to use physical force, uh, can use physical force, the implications of the use of physical force, this type of knowledge. It's not well transmitted through virtual platform. Haberfeld says police in the U.S. don't spend enough on training and that recruits start out too young before they're fully developed emotionally. She points to Norway and Finland as ideal police forces. Both require cadets to attend four-year degree programs. Their police can't have criminal records and they have national standards in place. Unlike the U.S., where 18,000 different law enforcement agencies all have different rules, standards, and training methods. There's been a lot of soul-searching for many police departments and the hope that better training could help the police improve relations with communities of color. Law enforcement is turning to training and technology, like VR, to address racial bias within their ranks. But advocacy groups say these efforts are not working. Tenji Way McCarris is an organizer for the Movement for Black Lives based in Brooklyn. Oftentimes when we are demanding an end to police violence, when we're demanding an end to police brutality, what we are met with is um, an investment in training, an investment in certain certain types of specific um, incremental reforms. And oftentimes, whether it's in New York City or even in Minneapolis, what we're finding is, is that these, these trainings, these reforms are not addressing the issue of police violence. They're certainly not addressing the the crisis that we have in terms of the level of scale and sheer violence that are targeting Black communities. 
The LAPD says it will have a new VR pilot program in place by the end of the year. Survivor, Axon, and other firms are developing race presets, and Colleyville's police chief says the training outcomes could be used to identify officers who require retraining or even disciplinary action. But McHarris told me spending more money on police training would be like painting the walls of a collapsed building. Her group and others are calling for the police to be defunded. And several police departments, including Milwaukee and New York, have taken steps to disband some portions of their departments in favor of a more community-based public safety system. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping-Carter is digital director of The Future of Everything. This episode's sound designer is Sarah Gibble-Laska. Our producer is Casey Georgie. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash ITHeroes.